Hello, everybody, and welcome to the NFL Roadshow on the Monday of Week 15, a wild week in the NFL full of crazy comebacks and jaw-dropping plays, both good and bad. I drove home from work on Sunday, DirecTV's Fantasy Zone channel, just in complete and utter silence, 100% in shock about the end of that New England Las Vegas game, which was exactly what the Raiders needed after a really tough one in week 14. But from Patriots perspective, the fact that that team of all teams lost the way it did on a lateral that should have never happened and didn't need to happen, a situational football blunder for the Patriots, just shocking. And I got to tell you, I feel so much empathy for Jacoby Myers. Like I cannot imagine what he must be going through today. And the mom in me just wants to go give him a great big hug. But again, huge for Raiders fans who also would have needed some hugs if they'd had to watch their team blow yet another 17-point lead. Uh, I do have a good 17-point stat for you Vegas fans, though. If you want to take that numbers juju and turn it around in your brain, the Raiders' defense has allowed 17 points or fewer to opposing offenses in four of their last five games. So improving, it would appear, on that side of the ball. You know who else is improving? The Jaguars, who scored 21 unanswered second half points to climb out of their own 17-point hole against the Cowboys, got them to overtime, and then picked them off a walk-off pick six for Rayshon Jenkins. It was Jacksonville's first game-winning overtime touchdown since 2005 when Byron Leftwich was their quarterback and Jimmy Smith caught the game winner. By the way, Leftwich on the other end of a 17-point swing yesterday, but we'll get to that. I do want to say a couple more things about Jacksonville. First, though, Trevor Lawrence is playing really good ball, you guys. And not just yesterday when he threw for 317 yards and four scores in a game where they dropped back 60% of the time. But since week nine, this guy has the highest completion percentage in the NFL, a 14-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he is PFF's highest-graded quarterback in that time. I think the Jags are going to be the four seed. They're just a half game back at Tennessee, and while the Titans have the slight edge on defense, particularly against the run, the Jaguars are better in every offensive category, including rush offense, which is kind of mind-blowing, right? Because the Titans have Derrick Henry, but the Jaguars are averaging six yards more per game on the ground. and very importantly down the stretch, they have an easier schedule left. Uh, the Titans still have to face Dallas. So I think this one is going to come down to week 18. I don't even think that that's that crazy of a prediction. You know which division is not going to come down to the wire? The AFC West, which is so funny to me considering the offseason conversation about that division and how it was going to be so tough and we didn't know rank them one to four. It could go any different way. The Chiefs clinched yesterday. The first team in the AFC to do so, and the second team overall, the Vikings were the first team on Saturday, and I'm not sure we've ever seen a more dramatic clinching experience than that game. I mean, people were doing victory laps about Jeff Saturday and the Colts at halftime, and those tweets did not age well, nor did my fantasy advice about Matt Ryan, which... Feels like a good pivot to today's guest because Field Yates is no stranger to giving fantasy advice as a contributor in that area for ESPN. He hosts Fantasy Football Now on NFL Sundays and the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast on weekdays. He is also, however, an NFL insider who breaks news and contributes real-world football analysis with a few years of football scouting under his belt for the Kansas City Chiefs back in the day. He also interned in the Patriots' front office for a little while, so he is very much a Swiss Army Knife-style football analyst, well-versed in all the various aspects of the game. So I'm thrilled to have him on the show. Let's go ahead and welcome him in. It's time now to break the huddle. Hello, let's go! Two on, two on, two. Ready? Ready? Field, uh, first of all, it's nice to meet you. You as well. Great to be on the show. Thank you so much for making time. I really appreciate it. Um, I am still trying to make sense of the things that happened this weekend. Not going to happen. Not not today. Not, not not tomorrow. It'll be like it'll be like the next World Cup, and we'll be reflecting upon this weekend. Still, maybe the group stage. We'll be sitting there thinking to ourselves, like, does the U.S. have a run in it? 
Can we advance to the quarterfinals? To the, the can I trust stage? Mike Williams? Yeah. Can and then can I trust like, Mike Williams? Same, and same. oh, remember that time that the Colts blew a thirty-three point lead? Oh my gosh! Oh, crazy. I got. I was watching that game. So um, you're in the same boat that like you do like real world, you know, NFL insider stuff, like talk about the game from a real football standpoint, but then also are heavy into the fantasy stuff. You're kind of like, you know, really knee deep in both of these different worlds. Um, So you'll understand this. I'm watching that game and I had kind of said to people and on my podcast, like, if, if you're desperate for a quarterback or maybe like want to go low or a little bit on in DFS, I kind of like Matt Ryan this week. And so then I was watching completely married to like being right. Yeah. Like I just, I, I was just invested in Matt Ryan turning in a good performance. And then the fact that they were up to such a lead, <laughs> I was like, this is not the game script that I expected that yeah. I was going to be fighting against like him running the ball in the entire second half and not getting there because they had such a big lead. And then he certainly had the opportunity to get there and just completely failed. And I'll never go back to that. Well, again, he's dead to me. Yeah, it's been a tough year for Matt, huh? Like my how things have changed. I will so yeah, and I hear you. By the way, if people were having to make the decision of like, do I turn to Matt Ryan in week 15 of my fantasy matchups? Like, it's not like the other options were great, right? No. So it's not like you told them, hey, play Matt Ryan in place of Josh Allen because the weather concerned me in Buffalo that night, right? I got a text probably about an hour before the Bills game, and it was, should I play Josh Allen or and I don't I don't even I I do recall who it was that my friend asked me was the other option. And I, I almost thought back and said, you know what? Never text me again. Because Ever. if you're asking me whether you should play Josh Allen, yep. like go, I don't know, go read a book or something. Like, dude, I don't know. Because if that's the, like the depths of your problem, like I'm sitting here trying to decide between, you know, like, I don't know, like, like DeAndre Carter and, yep. uh, you know, like Diami Brown, Matt like Collins. my 48 team yep. lead, right? My 48 yep. team lead. And you're trying to decide between Josh Allen or somebody like your problems in fantasy football are not real problems. They are just high society issues. That specific question didn't make sense to me last week either because Josh Allen and the rushing ability, like even in a bad weather game, Josh Allen can still get there for you from a fantasy standpoint. So don't pivot away from your best quarterback, like one of the best quarterback options that you could possibly have. The questions that I think made a little bit more sense to me were like Stefan Diggs or Tyreek Hill. Like if it is a weather game, then do you pivot away from them? Although even in that case, I was like, I can't, I can't bring myself to put either of those two people on the bench. So. Yeah, totally. I was with you. And like Miami even made me a bit more nervous because we hadn't seen it halftime of that game. I was like, man, I, I ended up slotting Tua as quarterback seven last week, but I, I, I conceded on Friday of our last preview show of the week. I was like, I want to maybe reconsider moving him from like seven to 14. And yes. at halftime, he had four points. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I should have just done it. He had 101 passing yards, no touchdowns. He ended up with a serviceable, I think it was 18 total fantasy points with the two the two passing touchdowns uh, and the two-point conversion helped him get there. Not a monster game for Tua, but still a game that, uh, like, if you played him, you were fine. Like, trust me, there are other quarterbacks you could have played this week that could have really let you down. He was not one of them. Like uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks of the week, in a game that I will spend the rest of eternity trying to figure out. And that's Justin Herbert. How did Justin Herbert give us what was, what was the final total? Like eight points. Yeah. It was 313 passing yards with one or two picks and no touchdowns. Yeah. None. 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 Yeah, against yeah. the Titans. I know. Against no the sense. Titans field. I will never no like what I was yeah. like, I was so excited. We went to this game on the fantasy zone channel and I was like, all right, let me talk. Because yeah. this is my game. This is the one. Like both sides, right? Both offenses. What they want to do, they could do it all day long. Like you could do, like Herbert Williams, Palmer, yeah, Allen. Get them all. Get them all right. into your lineup. Find a way. Eckler even against a good run defense because like they just throw them the ball anyway. So who cares? And then it all fell apart. And so I think I need to retire. Yeah. Oh well, I I would urge against that. Like too many of us <laughs> would miss your work. Um, but I hear you. I, I was looking at this morning, like not to get too far ahead of myself. I did have a quarterfinals that was clinched on both sides of the bracket. Like nothing is left to be determined tonight. There are no Monday night football players for any of the four teams involved that are on this side of the bracket. So I know who my opponent will be next week in the semis. And he has Justin Herbert. Um, and I'm like, how come I don't get to play against him when Justin Herbert has eight fantasy points. Is there a way to recreate that? Is there a way for Justin to consider retirement for one week this upcoming week? Is there a way for Justin Herbert to take just 100 knees uh, in their game Monday night against the Colts? Like, can those things happen? 
are you, but I mean, are we sure that Justin Herbert's not going to have eight points against Indy Ah, or, or the next week, the Rams or the Broncos, like you look at the chargers and their, their chances of making the playoffs. It was like a massive swing after that win yesterday, they had a now have a 77% chance of getting in. It would have been 35 if they lost. Don't ask me how any of this works. It's mad. No clue to me, but the, those are the numbers the smart people have come up with. Uh, so now they've got the Colts, the Rams and the Broncos. I don't know that I trust it though. Like all three of those games are like, I mean, they, there couldn't be an easier path, right? Oh, if they could easily, they could easily be 11 and six. They could easily be seven and 10. Like neither one of those things would surprise me. Not because of the talent, not because of the capabilities, not because of the quarterback, but because of the Chargers history. It's sort of how things have gone, but they are trying to brand themselves as the brand new Chargers. So I do believe that they'll end up making the playoffs. But, uh, and I got to be honest with you, Lindsay, because I'm now facing Justin Herbert, right? This is what the fantasy brain does. This is how we operate. Fantasy football has been great to us in so many ways. It's helped provide us with endless professional opportunities. It owes us nothing going forward. I could lose every single fantasy matchup for the rest of my life, and I would still owe fantasy football so much. And yet, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, I just know because I'm playing Justin Herbert, he's going to throw five touchdowns next Monday night. Um, and if he does, I promise you it's because I'm facing off against him. Maybe you could like reverse jinx that by coming out and saying my number one quarterback play of the week is Justin Herbert. So you attach yourself to that so that then professionally you have as much to lose there yeah, as you yeah. do in your individual. It's a nice and then it's a hundred percent. That's pretty good hedge right there. Um, I might work on that. Uh, we're, we're After we have this chat, we are going to go and do a, I'm going to go do my rankings for week 16, or at least at some point later this afternoon. And you might be on something there. So stay tuned for the week 16 ranks. Could Justin Herbert be number one? Which one would bother you more? Being wrong about that publicly or losing your matchup? I probably shouldn't admit this, but definitely losing my match. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know what? Actually, I'm playing against one of my best friends from college. Well, I'm in a uh, league. It's it's five of my college best friends. And then one of them has a brother who went to our, our rival college. And so six guys from our rival college and then six of us from my college. And it just worked out that each of the semifinals features two guys from the same school. So the finals, no matter what happens, will be Wesleyan versus Williams, which will be fun. Um, but so I guess if anybody were to beat me, it would be one of my best friends in the entire world. So uh, if he gets me, I'm OK with it. That being said, I wouldn't mind winning. I, I think I fall. Well, no, I, I definitely fall into the other camp. I need to publicly be right more than okay. I need to privately you win have my integrity. matchup. Yeah, you have integrity. Well, I'm not sure what I have. Or insecurity. Like, I don't know which of the two is, you know, the more spot on. But I was actually in that situation this past week because Michelle Beadle lost uh, Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray. And yeah. she was playing Matt Ryan. Oh, and gosh. I was, but I was still rooting for him because I was yeah. like, I said this. Yeah. So this has to be right. It could not have been more wrong. Anyway. Wow, you know, it's funny. So I, we could do a whole podcast on this and I am not trying to in any way, shape or form, like um, cut down the importance of trying to be an excellent analyst with insightful and accurate takes on fantasy football. I'm also very cognizant of the fact that if you go through and if like, if you could find a single person in the entire world, including KJ Osborne's best friends, Uh, maybe his family. I don't know if he's married or not. Who would have told you, Hey, KJ Osborne is the better play than Justin Jefferson this week. Find that person for me. Right. So uh, ultimately what we are doing, I think what I I believe the, the kind of the core responsibility of a fantasy football analyst is to, um, I've always described it as like my, I, I use my brother as an example. He's married. He's got two kids. He's got a busy job. His wife does as well. They're constantly doing things with the kids on the weekends. He wakes up on Sunday morning and goes to his app, makes a couple of waiver claims if he needs to, evaluates the cues next to players' names, texts me, hey, so Ramondre Stevenson is questionable today. Is he playing? Yes or no? Hey, yeah, he's good to go. And you should start him, by the way. Right. Oh, then he hears, I heard it's supposed to rain and snow and thunder and everything in between in, in Buffalo on Saturday night. Should I bench any of my players? Right. He's not paying attention to every single detail that you and I are paying attention to. So our job is to like take all the information, weather and matchup and injury report and everything in between momentum and sort of like package it to this tiny, small little present box. And that present box represents that player's ranking. And 
you're not going to be right. It's just how the world works. That's just how fantasy football works. There's 22 players in every play. A lot of things can and will happen. Uh, but you want to try to be as insightful as you can and entertaining, too. That's the part that I think really makes the great fantasy content is who entertains in a way that draws you back in for more. Because, as you know, there's I don't know how many fantasy analysts oh out there God. right now. There's a million. And yeah. uh, you have a choice you have to make in terms of who you want to listen to. And I think the entertainment factor is what sort of brings or sort of is the, that's like the, the rising tide for the very best. I feel like I don't feel comfortable. A lot of times people will send me either ors. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not, that's not where my deep dive went sure. this week. Cause I don't do weekly rankings. I'm not doing the whole thing. Um, Cause there's so many of you guys out there that do that and do that. Well, I feel like what I try to bring is like, what draws my eye and where are the statistical like matchup advantages and sure. what am I seeing in a way that maybe feels different to what other people are seeing? Like, yeah. um, and, and then if I nail a few of those, I feel good. But of course, then what happens is you try and nail all of them. And mm -hmm. then some of them are just yeah. wildly inaccurate. So like yeah. KJ Osborne last week made sense because um, they were giving up a ton of points to slot receivers. And, you're, and so it was like, hey, KJ Osborne, this might be the week, you know, but yeah. then this past week, not so much uh, like Latavius Murray. We were on the show yesterday and John Hansen was like, uh, nobody saw this coming. And I was like, me. And you I was so coming. excited. Yeah. Well, just with Russell Wilson out, I was, you know, it, it was a good matchup and it made sense that they would, that they would go to him. It wasn't really like a deep analytical um, dive, but it, I, it just made sense to me, even though he's bad, <laughs> which well, is the case. It's amazing. He's like Sometimes. still getting it done right now. Right. It's like Latavius Murray, who's been around the league for Lord knows how long and like saints and Vikings and Raiders and Ravens and Broncos and back to the saints. It's like, that's the guy that's scoring whatever it was, 22 fantasy points yesterday. Uh, last thought I'll say, because I don't want people to think that I just don't care about my job, but like when I get the either ors, 99% of the time, Lindsay, it's not what I was mentioning earlier, like awesome quarterback Josh Allen or not very awesome quarterback. Most of the time, it's to your point, it's like, hey, I've got to sit one out of DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf, and Terry yeah. McLaurin. Yes. I'm like... Okay, well, how about you just trade one to me and make it easier on yourself, right? Like, you know, as I said, you know, we're we're struggling through whether we should start, you know, like Alec Pierce um, yes. or Jarvis Landry. And like, I just need five points. Who can I get it from? Those are like fantasy dilemmas, right? Um, and so I tend to think of players in buckets. I do, I do rank them, but I like to think of them more in buckets. Like, here are the players that if you have them on your lineup, you are starting them. Usually it's like, you know, eight or 10 quarterbacks each week, the Mahomes and the Allens and the Burrows of the world, right? Wide receivers, the pool's a little bit deeper. Running backs, we'll see based off of the week. And then you go to the next category. Hey, if you have this running back, like he's not a perfect start. He'll have some bust weeks, but you should play him almost every single week. Miles Sanders is a good example of that. Yesterday, not so good. Prior to that, he'd been red hot. And I know we can lament Miles Sanders' performance yesterday, but would you really have benched him after how great he's been top five in rushing career year with only or through just his first 13 games? Like he's been awesome. So um, I try to think of fantasy through a slightly different lens than I think the consumer probably does when they're asking like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out an example. Yesterday on our show, someone said, hey, you know, Joe Burrow or Justin Fields. And I remember the response from our panel was like, you cannot go wrong. It is impossible for you to go wrong. And I woke up this morning and realized that I think they were like 1.08 points apart yesterday. And so you could have gone wrong. I mean, I guess you could have if if you played Justin Fields and lost by you know less than 1.08 points. But right, still, it's like, still a good play. It's a great play. Like right. you know, again, we, people. There are others who had to start someone like Justin Herbert and I got only eight points. So uh, the wins are funny sometimes. In didn't um, even have football. to start him. Like we're just running. Couldn't have run fast enough to plug that into my lineup and still got eight points, which is how fantasy is going. Do you feel like um, there? There's a bit of recency bias. I think that happens every year. Where we're like, this is the craziest season I can remember. But I do sort of feel like this year is weirder than most like the tight end position i mean it put it in a different bucket but yeah. it's like i'm done i'm done even doing analysis for the tight end position i'm like if you've got kelsey that's great the other positions like no real strong mismatches have 
you know, come up. It's like, you've got Arizona and Seattle that give up a ton of points. If you've got somebody playing them, put them in. Otherwise I'm like, I don't know. It's a dart at a dartboard who freaking knows. And so I don't envy you because you can't just say like, no, I'm not going to do that position this week. Well, sometimes I try to, yeah, it doesn't quite work out with the bosses, but I've given it a try before. Um, Here's what I would say. The themes that probably feel most different this year than others is the quarterback position has been an absolute wasteland. So every year we always tell people like, don't draft a quarterback early because you can get, you know, I'm just using these examples of players coming into the season. Like, Hey, you get Derek Carr in the 15th round this year. He might go off for 5,000 passing yards. Meanwhile, like 15 weeks into the season, still not exactly a fantasy rock star, right? Uh, Tom Brady's going to have an awesome year again this season. Matthew Stafford threw 40 plus passing touchdowns last year. He's going to crush it, right? Russell Wilson has been a top five fantasy quarterback like four times before. There's no way he won't crush it in Denver, right? Well, all those things did not go right. And then there have been others who haven't been bust, like those players have been bust. But look at Lamar Jackson prior to he got hurt. Just wrote like, down the name. Yeah, yep. I mean, Lamar has been, for fantasy purposes, like just not good enough. Dak Prescott had a better day on Sunday of week 15. He's been disappointing for the most part this season. You've had guys that you thought coming into the season were at the very worst, like high floor starts, and they haven't been nearly high enough. So uh, the quarterback position, Kyler, prior to his injury, like he had a couple of good games, but not consistently great, wasn't running as much. Um, so I mean, people who drafted Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow were rewarded, but like, I would say right now, going into this upcoming week, like the, there are four quarterbacks that just feel uh, five quarterbacks. I'll throw Justin Fields in there as well. That sort of just feel different, right? It's the four that I, those five that I just mentioned, like Mahomes, Allen, uh, of course, I'm going to blow up like Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, and Joe Burrow, right? Like yep. those five just feel like totally, you don't have to think at all about them. Everybody else, I'm not saying you're not starting them, but if you have, if Lamar Jackson returns, you're a little bit nervous, right? If you have Justin Herbert, you're like two out of the past three games, he has no passing touchdowns. Like, please don't have it again. Tom Brady, like finally showed some life this past Sunday. He plays Arizona. It's a great matchup. He won't screw up, will he? You know, there are very few players that fit into that category of like, set it, forget it. Don't think twice about it. Quarterbacks. Yeah. The quarterback. Definitely. I think that's a a really interesting point from a theme standpoint. Do you feel like in general, um, even from a real world football standpoint, I feel like there's so much information that's out there, so much data and the teams have all of this data too, that I've wondered if some of the things that we're predicting saying like, Oh, there's a clear mismatch here. And they're going to hit that guy. If that almost becomes like a reverse self-scouting situation where they go, that's what they expect us to do. So we're not going to do that. Like I'm trying to figure out what's actually happening uh, across the real world football landscape, which of course drives our analysis because so frequently when someone's in a, what looks like a smash spot, it's not getting attacked that way. So for instance, uh, Miles Sanders, we brought up Miles Sanders, you know, that, that game yesterday against the bears, the bears are a run funnel. Everyone runs on them. And so obviously Jalen hurts can pick up a ton of yards that way, but we talked about Miles Sanders, not getting there. It wasn't because Miles Sanders was bad. Like his yard per carry average was great. They just, at one point during the game late in the second half, we looked up, he had five carries. They just weren't going to him. Yeah. They ran, they ran, I think a total of seven plays in the first quarter which that's very low for like, And you're just like, which you can't predict that, right? Like no matter who you're playing. So the bears had like this beautiful sustained drive early in the game. And so it's not like your analysis was wrong. I would say that speaking generally, what I have tended to gravitate towards is a little bit more of, I think there's no secret sauce because if there was, we'd all be perfect. But I think it's, I do look like volume will always matter to me most right? If a quarterback's throwing it a ton, unless this quarterback is a complete disaster, like it still has a ton of value. Running back, same thing. Wide receiver, same thing. I think matchups certainly do matter, um, but they can't always be a part of the equation, right? Like coming into yesterday, people were asking me, do I sit Justin Fields because it's the Eagles who had allowed just 10.5 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks? No, don't ever do something like that, right? Weather, which is pertinent because it's December. For those of us that don't live in California, it's actually a real thing. It's just not always sunny and beautiful and uh, and just awesome out. Um, 
I think it's like 12 degrees today, which is just lovely. Um, it's like 60 and I couldn't have been more bundled up at drop off. Oh, we gosh. were laughing about it. I was thinking of the bills game and how the fans out there were, some of them were like unclothed and I was legit cold. And I saw, the, I, well, I, as a quick aside, I'll get back to the point here in a second. The bucks game yesterday, I saw Brady go to the sideline and he sits down and they immediately threw one of those jackets over him. I'm like, you're in Tampa, Florida, right? You know, those huge jackets <laughs> that are like capes. Blaine Gabbert was like, he, he had been like cocooned. He's the backup quarterback, so he's not doing much anyways during the day. I'm like, how cold would it have to be for me to throw on one of those big jackets? Like, it, like if, if it's above 40 degrees, it's short sleeves for sure, whether you're a backup oh or not. God, and just like, no. no, this is, come on, this, you, you, you'll, you'll get, I know one it's day all relative. it'll make more sense. It'll make more sense one day. Once you move to the East Coast, you'll get it. Um, or like, you know, go to Minneapolis where it's like minus five degrees right now. Uh, and I, but I'm like, no way. Like, you got to be kidding me. Um, but that's just, that's, I guess that's what happens when you live in 80 degree weather most of uh, your days during the year. But I tend to lean towards like volume and a little bit of matchup. And I try not to lean too much into like coach speak, um, narratives. Like I try not to, it's hard not to. So you didn't um, bite on the Alvin Camaro. We're going to find different ways to get him the ball. Yeah, like yeah, everyone I got I, so excited. And I, I thought know. I was excited too. I, I'm not I mean, I, I was, I was, I, I was thinking that he, they have to back that up. Like, even though it makes absolutely no sense, this, the fact that this is coming out of your mouth in week 15, which of course you, you would know. think it would be great. Right. Um, yeah, that's tough. Um, but I also would say that like, I found, and you mentioned how like some of my work is not just fantasy, it's sort of on the reporting slash insider slash analyst side is that like, sometimes the more I think I know, the worse. Like there was a particular time this year where I, I will withhold the player in the team just so I don't want to out anybody, but like I texted someone, I had a flex consideration and there was a guy who I was like, just, just curious, like, you think he'll be busy this week? And he was like, Yeah really busy. Like you got to play him like barely played, like barely played. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, how did I, like I gung ho start him, crank him up. So ready for it. Right. And barely played had like three fantasy points. And so I realized I, it actually was a reminder to me that, you know, coaches, GMs, people who are working inside the building, they have like gut calls about how things could go, but once the game begins, everything's out the window. Miles Sanders yesterday, I don't think Nick Sirianni or Shane Steichen, their offensive coordinator, coordinator said, you know what? I expect him to have zero carries in the first quarter. Sometimes, though, things just go a little bit off the rails. And next thing you know, Miles Sanders finishes with, what, 1.9 fantasy points or something? I used to in a one and done, too. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. What has felt? Um, the most consistently predictable for you this year. Let's focus on the positive and the people. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> well, yeah, that's pretty much it. Honestly, like I would say, Travis Kelsey is definitely in a tier of his own in terms of consistency. He is just remarkable, and he's 33, and it makes no sense he's continuing to do this. Um, and then I would say that like this bright young core of quarterbacks has a chance to be like the faces of fantasy for the next 10 or so years. Like we can just. I, I I know we I talked coming into the season about how like be careful with the you know with uh you know drafting a quarterback early, but we can probably change our mindset a bit going forward. You don't need to be uh as patient. And you can if you want to grab Josh Allen in the back end of the second round or Patrick Mahomes in the back end of the second round, go for it. I'm not gonna hold it against you. Um, that certainly has been consistent. And then I would say that like generally speaking, the top end wide receivers all paid off. Cooper Cup pre-injury was awesome. And I don't think that if their season had gone sideways or had not gone sideways, he'd be back as my guess. Like we would have seen Cooper Cup or he will see Cooper Cup at some point if they were, you know, nine and four, not four and nine at the time of this conversation. Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, even though he did have the injury, have all been awesome. Tyreek Hill has been awesome. AJ Brown's been awesome. Stephon Diggs has been awesome. All those guys that you expected to be great coming into the season have been absolutely exceptional. And I think the like wide receiver has sort of made a case to be the position to target in round one, because I think what we're learning more and more by the year is that it is much easier to lose your league in the first round than it is to win your league in the first round, because none of those wide receivers would have lost you your league, but a few of the running backs taken in the first round yes. might've lost your league, right? If you took Camara or if you took Jonathan Taylor, you may not be in the playoffs right now. 
A hundred percent. And I hope you are not in the playoffs in the case of Jonathan Taylor, because oh, then you definitely are not in the playoffs anymore after what happened last week. Um, would you then advise like normally tight end? I feel gross about taking like a Kelsey where you have to take him in order to get him. Do you think that there's value? Does that change moving forward because the position is such an insane dumpster fire? I think next year we will see Travis Kelsey inside the top 10 on every website in terms of ADP. And I just, we totally overreact in fantasy football. It's the way that we are wired. And that'll carry over from this year to next because in previous years, specifically last year is a good example. Like there was the Kelsey versus Andrews debate. We've had the Kelsey versus George Kittle debate in fantasy. There was the year that George Kittle set the record for most receiving yards in a season by a tight end with like 1,353. Like there were thoughtful conversations. Should Darren Waller be in that same conversation? There is no second place right now. It is Mark Andrews in terms of fantasy points, but the gap is like 107 points to the first 15 weeks of the season. That's like basically every week if you're playing against Travis Kelsey, he has a touchdown before the game even begins and your player has zero, which is just absurd. So um, I think Kelsey will end up going in the top 10 next year. And I've gotten, you know, Lindsay, I've kind of gotten past the point in my life where like I undercut people's teams before the season begins. Like there, there are a lot of paths to fantasy football. Like, I don't know how many of us were talking a ton, a ton, some, maybe a little, not a ton, like, how much time do you think was really spent on Zay Jones coming into the season? Some, right? No doubt some, but not a ton. He's now a top 17 wide receiver for the year. I think if you have Zay Jones on your roster because of what he did on this past, like yesterday, you're probably inclined to go back to the well for the Jets, which is a little bit scary. I'm not going to lie to you, but um, that that's, I think, the reality of fantasy football. Is there a few, like so much of our coverage during the offseason is about things that we expect to happen for the long haul, right? Like you're drafting Jonathan Taylor number one, because from start to finish, you expect him to be the best player on your team. When the reality is that the fantasy football season is like a bunch of pockets within one big season. And hey, for a while, Jeff Wilson Jr. carried my roster as a Miami Dolphin. And then he faded back into the backfield as a backup to Raheem Mostert. Hey, there was that time where, you know, Chris Olave got red hot or Michael Thomas at the beginning of the season. I drafted him in the eighth round and he looked great for two games. You're like, I got myself a value. Christian Kirk was hot for the Jaguars early in the season. He stayed, certainly stayed relatively hot, but now it's like Zay Jones is the one. So I think the reality is that so much of fantasy football is really what you do during the in-season management part of the year, as opposed to how you draft. Just to finish off the tight end point this week. Week 15 of the top 12 tight ends, seven of them are available in waiver on waivers in the league that I'm looking at here, where I'm putting the scoring leaders. In week 15, seven of the top 12 are still available out there. Like, it was like Peyton Hendershot a top 12 tight end or something? Nope, but uh, Eric Tomlinson was. What oh, team yeah. is he on? Quick, 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 people oh, listening. You have no idea who oh, this sorry. man is. Yeah, no, know, I'm saying yeah. that you do, yeah, but like there's yeah. no chance. I guarantee you no 2% of the listening audience. Had, well, it was that. supposed to be that the Broncos tight end was supposed to score a touchdown. It was supposed to be Greg Dulcich though, right? Because yes. they're playing the Cardinals. Yes. yes. Of course, yeah. Aaron Tomlinson, who's been like cut like 15 times in the NFL, is the one that scores a touchdown. Mitchell Wilcox. Oh, like, I mean, who are these Bengals people? legend, right? Everybody, everybody <laughs> knows. When you think of the Bengals, it goes Joe Burrow, Mitchell Wilcox, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. But definitely Mitchell Wilcox has got to be number two, right? In the pantheon of great Bengals offensive players. Which team, looking at real world football now, yeah. which team do you feel the most confident in moving forward? Um, I think Philadelphia's earned it by now. I think they really have. And I, I think like in a, if we play in a seven-game series, which we don't in the NFL, um, if I were to pick one team, it would be either the Bills or the Chiefs, I think, in a seven-game series. Um, but I think Philadelphia's earned it top to bottom. I don't know what their weakness is right now. They, they don't seem to have one. Uh, let's like let's just sort of break down face by face. Offensively, they run the football as well as anybody. Jalen Hurts is the best running quarterback alongside Justin Fields, but the just the best running quarterback by far amongst the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. 
Uh, they throw the ball extremely well with Jalen Hurts down the field. They're great in the short passing game because they have excellent discipline and timing and all these wide receiver screens they run, the offensive line rules. Defensively, good at all three levels. Linebacker play has been a little bit underrated for them this year because it's not necessarily ever been a spot where they've paid big. They kind of have gotten what they've needed from their middle linebackers for the most part, their inside linebackers, and then they've got good pass rushers. They've got great cornerbacks. We'll see when Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's back, but like he's been a great player for them as well. He had a spleen rupture, which just sounds awful, but it sounds like he'll be back at some point before the season is over. Special teams, they recently had to make a punter change. Uh, Brett Kern uh, brought in to, to fill in for injury, and he's been like a pro well punter. Like they do everything well. Like all three phases, they're good. Love the way that Nick Sirianni coaches. He's aggressive. Uh, I think he has a mindset of confidence that clearly seeps through. Like every time they have the ball on the plus side of the field, if it's fourth down, I expect them to go for it. Like I don't expect them to punt um, unless it's like fourth and 18. I love that, by the way, too. I I like that. And how do the players must love it too? Like I get it that like it sucks if you fail to convert. But if you're a player, like the message the coach is sending when you're going for it on fourth and seven is he believes in us. Yep. And that's powerful for a locker room. So I think Philadelphia also, has earned that. Also, mathematically speaking, if you do that frequently enough, how many more opportunities are you giving your team to score? You're in, If you play the numbers game, you're going to end up in a good spot. Now I get it. Brandon Staley has come under a lot of fire for the way he's coached the Chargers. And some of his have been a bit more audacious. You know, like going, for, I remember last year in the Baltimore game, going for it like early in the game at his own 19-yard line, like a fourth and one. And you're like, okay, I would understand, like the, num- the, the sort of the analytic numbers may tell you analytics numbers may tell you like you should go for it here um and i'm okay like i'm okay with being consistent which is what he is he he truly follows um a very similar path every single time but um i'm also okay like there there are times where um i'm okay with like extending the game a bit longer by like playing it a bit safe but i think that nick sirianni is an example of a coach that's done a good job of threading that needle pretty well do you think that staley's job is in jeopardy depending on what happens down the stretch, considering what we've all heard about Sean Payton's interest in the job. Yeah, I'd be surprised. And I, I, I don't have great info on this one way or the other. My gut just tells me that will be a surprise. I can't tell if this, what, what the Sean Payton, um, really, I don't know how real it is. He wants to go, he wants to go there anywhere. Like he seems to have a pretty good thing going, right? I mean, he is obviously, you know, well compensated in his television job and he's been well compensated for a while. Like there is a certain freedom you get from not coaching that I'm sure uh, some of these individuals appreciate because that coaching lifestyle can really, uh, it can take a lot out of you. Um, I don't know. I, I need, I'm not going to discount anything in the coaching cycle because we've seen some crazy stuff. Um, but my guess would be that Brandon Staley stays. I also think in part because I think they're going to win like 10 games and make the playoffs. From your lips. I've turned into a Chargers fan. Um, this oh, okay. is a new this is a new thing for me. What would me. you like? Um, well, I'm sorry. What would you like to have happen then? Would you like Sean Payton? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have an. I don't know. I mean, I very much like Sean Payton, but I also am not. I'm not anti Staley. Like I am okay. not in that camp that it gets outraged by these aggressive decisions. I understand that enough of them haven't gone their way that yeah. I get the momentum building there. I understand it. Yeah. But I. I like you said, I just, as a matter of principle, I like that he's committed to this. And if I, if you were going to be committed to one or the other, I would much rather it be this. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's always good to like, whatever your plan is, like, just, I think it's important to have a plan and let that plan breathe. Like, I think we're seeing way too much, you know, there's a story yesterday from Adam Schefter uh, Sunday morning before week 15 about how like the NFL recently urged teams to reconsider these quick trigger fires because apparently there's something like $800 million that has or will be paid to coaches who are no longer coaching or GMs that are no longer GMs for those teams. I I like the idea of patience to myself. Like, I get it. Owners can do what they want. It's their their money, right? It's not like there's a salary cap for coaching. Uh, But I think sometimes it's good to, like, whatever your plan is, like, at least see it through a bit longer, which will be another reason why I think Brandon Staley makes a lot of sense to retain uh, to be retained as the Chargers head coach. In terms of the teams that are fighting for playoff spots, do you lean one way or the other? 
um, for, you know, like let's look at the AFC first. So at the, you've got the chargers and the dolphins. Uh, I'm not sure Baltimore is all that safe the way that they're playing, oh, honestly, but yeah. they are, they're they at nine cushion, and five. Though. Yeah. What? They may have a cushion. They may have that cushion just because they've gotten to those nine wins. Like they found a way for so many weeks in a row. I think Baltimore's safe. My guess would be that like so? the chalk prevails here. Yeah, I think so. I'd have to look. I know Baltimore plays this up Atlanta this upcoming week. I don't know. I think it's Atlanta, somebody, and then Pittsburgh in week 18, which I could be wrong on. Let me check. What a uh, gift that schedule is under the circumstances. I mean, I'm not hundred percent sure they beat any of those teams the way that they're playing. If they don't get Lamar back, I was wrong. But... You know what? I was wrong. They play the Bengals in week 18. Oof. So nine wins. Like they're already at nine. Mm-hmm. Rave, they go Falcons, Steelers, Bengals. Um, that's interesting. My guess would be, and that by the way, that Bengals game is in Cincinnati, by the way. That's a great question, Lindsay. I, so I, I still think they make it. And I think Miami makes it. And I think the Chargers make it. I think that the Jets not having Mike White most likely on Thursday makes the Chargers game, uh, the Jaguars game, a much more difficult one. And I think that the, the teams that need to be nervous right now are that are in a good spot currently are probably Baltimore and also Tennessee. Wait, do we know about do we know about Mike White? Sounds like he's not going to play on Thursday night. Sounds like that based off of comments from Robert Sala earlier Monday. You just broke very bad news to me. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have Mike White in a fantasy league? No, but I just, I want, I want all of those weapons to be unlocked. Like it's just a totally different offense with Mike White. And I say that, and I felt bad because I'm so negative. I'm so negative about Zach Wilson that I need to scale that back because it starts to just feel mean, but uh, I would, but I very much like that offense to have Mike White for all of us for fantasy purposes. Right. But also just because I think the defense is so good and there are so many exciting pieces there. And they can't reach their ceiling with Zach. And I say that knowing that he came through for 300 yards yesterday. But if you watch the game, there are plays that are- Did he reach 300 yesterday? Field. Gosh, it doesn't feel like that, does it? Let me double check. I mean, it no, doesn't feel that, that way. But it, mouth, it, but by the no. way, it may very, it may, may very well have happened. But that's my Let's, point. It didn't, it, doesn't, it didn't look like it, right? Like this? Zach Wilson got for 317 yesterday. Look at that. 317 yards. Absurd. Pretty good right there. Garrett, Garrett, Garrett Wilson still had 98 yards and yeah, there were, awesome. there were plays left out there. You know, I mean, he had four catches on nine targets. And there were a couple of crazy plays late in the game too. Yeah. The Wilson to Wilson connection. But then again, the Lions secondary, as we know, has just been so fortuitous. Like I, uh, yeah, I mean, um, that was, you know, we cover a lot of ground. So it feels like we talk about every single player, but one of the players we discussed was like, if you are feeling so frisky, could you possibly play? Zach Wilson on Sunday. And it was like crazier things have been said in the world of fantasy football. And he got you. Let's see. What was yeah. that about? Uh, let's see what, if I can get the number here correctly. Um, yeah. It was, so, it was more than Justin Herbert. Yeah, it was right. Jeez. Uh, if I'm looking at it correctly right now, it was 19.4. Not bad at all. Right. Yeah. That's a top 12 guy. Yeah. Pretty respectable. That's a, that's a, that's a top 10 guy. Respectable finish right there from Zach Wilson. That is icky. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I'll well, say. so that's, so that's the AFC you think pretty much chalk. I, yeah, I, pretty think, chalky. I think there's a chance Jacksonville flips with Tennessee. That one I do as well. Like that one, I'm, I'm, I'm currently penciling this in. So if this happens, the internet can credit us your podcast on, I've got December, uh, December 19th. <laughs> I, I love that you checked it and said, I've got yeah, like, yeah, it's like it's your it's information yeah. might be different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my clock, it just, it operates on a different plane than some others. Apparently um, December 19th, the uh, Jaguars Titans week 18 gets the flex because the only way that that game is not coming down to the AFC, cha- uh, not coming down as the uh, division championship is one of two things. Um, Tennessee loses their next two games. Jacksonville wins their next two that would put Tennessee at seven and nine, Jacksonville at eight, uh, eight and eight. And that might still be for the division. I'd have to look into a little bit closer. But basically, unless the Jaguars just totally like flunk the next two tests they have, which are the Jets and then also the Texans, they're playing for the division that week. So wouldn't surprise me if week 18, no, week 18, Jaguars, Titans, call it right now, Derrick Henry. Trevor Lawrence on Sunday Night Football. Cosine. Yes. 
This, you know, people can you did all us. the lifting there. They'll, yeah, they'll that one. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> of course, obviously. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll make sure they do. I'll pull up the clip. Why else do we do them. this? Why else do we do podcasts? We just do podcasts for credit on week 18 flex calls. Has anyone ever told you, I think you sound a little bit like Scott Hansen. Oh, yeah, I get that all the time, which is, I mean, do it's you? flattering. Yeah, it's great. I'll take it. Scott's a legend. Um, I, I cannot pull the quad box. Uh, you know, it's funny. I actually, I love Scott. Uh, I love Red Zone. But truthfully, because of what, what, what where I am on Sundays, I watch Red Zone pretty sporadically because I'm in I'm in studio on Sundays. And then we go to what we call the war room at ESPN, where we have every game on the TV. So I am very fortunate that I have every game available. I can watch them. But as an example, uh, on this upcoming Saturday, which is Christmas Eve, when I'll be with family, like mm-hmm. we don't have the opportunity to watch every single game. I'll be dialed in on red zone. So while I am not a weekly hardcore, like I would be in different circumstances because of my work, I obviously love Scott. He is, uh, he's done an amazing job for a long, long time there. What about the NFC? Let's look at the NFC playoff picture and the the teams that are kind of on the bubble there. Lions fans are going to tell me, don't get too far ahead of myself. I think Detroit is going 10 and seven. Yes. Look at the schedule coming up. Yes. So they go at Carolina winnable game, right? Carolina five and nine right now, home to the bears winnable game. And then they wrap things up at Lambeau field on Sunday, January 8th. Winnable game, right? With, with Aaron Rodgers maybe on the bench. I was going to say, right? Like they're out. Part of that. The scariest part of that would be if Aaron Rodgers plays because he wants the lions to not make the playoffs. That would be the scariest part of it, right? That would be the most Aaron Rodgers thing ever. (laughs) And it would be like nail in the coffin for me never being a fan again. Like, come on. Now he's already inflicted enough pain in the NFC North, right? He had the the great moment with the Bears fans last. Well, great's an interesting choice. He had the notable moments with Bears fans last year um, declaring his ownership. And I guess the game we played at Lambeau, so there probably wouldn't be that many Lions fans there. But yeah, I just, man, that would be something. If the nine and seven Detroit Lions went to Lambeau Field in week 18 with the chance to clinch a playoff spot. I think it's very possible, though. You got to sort of play the schedule game at this point. And as of as of right now, uh, other teams that are in the mix in the NFC uh, include, of course, the Seahawks, who they're in a, in a pickle because they're now seven and seven. Uh, they are ahead of Detroit technically by tiebreaker. but they play the Chiefs and Jets over the next two weeks. Neither of those will be easy games. And then the Commanders and, and, and Giants, we'll see. But the Giants Especially go to the, the Vikings. Mike. And the, yeah, that's right. Uh, but what we don't know about the, the trickiest part for these schedules down the stretch is that like Giants, Eagles, week 18? Yeah. Yes. Is that a game in which Jalen Hurts is even playing? Right. Who knows? Because right. they could they could wrap up the one seed. Yeah. With a win like against week. Dallas this yeah. week. And by the way, then that also changes things for Dallas because Dallas, uh, if they, if they, they lose that game to Philly, the five. they've got, they've got nothing to play for. Yeah. I mean, would they be locked into the five or would they just not have anything to gain in terms of getting up because they'd be locked into a wild card at the very least. They will be locked. They would not be locked into the five. I don't think, because I guess if my, no, they could, I mean, they could be, but you know, that would not be, that's not correct. Because they could still have, like, the Giants could still be nipping on their heels, 10 and 5, 10, 6 and 1. Yeah. So it's possible that the Cowboys will have something to play for, put it that way, going into week 17. Week 18, who knows? Another yeah. reason why you shouldn't play fantasy football in the final week of the regular season. Don't do it. 100%. Man, if I'm Dallas, I really want that five seed, though. Like, oh if there's God. any chance I drop out of five, I want the NFC South winner. Like, totally. that's. I will say this though, Lindsay, it's good for fantasy football if the Cowboys win on Saturday night. On Saturday, I think it's a Saturday game. It's good. It's very important because that keeps the Eagles having to play for something in week 17. It keeps the Cowboys having to play for something in week 17. And for those that do play into week 18, it probably ensures it for the Cowboys. And I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. If the Eagles sat starters in week 17, even if they've clinched, because you're going to say the guy week 17, 18, and let's call it week 19, the wild card round, like that's a month off from playing football. I know there's injury risk, but there's injury risk every time you play football. That'd be too long to rest, but it would be really good 
What we really need is a shootout on Saturday, 425 is the confirmed time, in Dallas, where like the Cowboys win 42-39. Lots of fantasy points for everybody. Lots of fantasy points. Cowboys win, that ensures Jalen Hurts and the Eagles play in week 17 as well. We need all those points in that game, by the way, because there are so many games that are not going to get there. No, they week. are not. Yeah, like talk about week 16. Yeah, our Christmas presents this week are real specifically located. Like we've got some. Have you seen, just to yeah. remind the people, uh-huh. the three games on Christmas. Oh, they're bad. Got the Packers, who at best case will be six and eight, going to Miami, which Miami's good. Got the Broncos traveling to the Rams, who could be four and 10. That's so bad. The Buccaneers traveling to the Cardinals, who could be down to Trace McSorley as their starting quarterback. <laughs> oh my gosh. That slate seemed good six months ago. You were like, that's an awesome Christmas. And then, by the way, the uh, the angel on the top of the Christmas tree is the Colts playing host of the Chargers on Monday Night Football. <laughs> Let's just wrap this up. Wait, by the way, not like the Raiders Steelers is a Saturday night game. Two, six, and eight teams. Like, really savor that Eagles-Cowboys game. Like, savor that one. It's going to be great. (laughs) Put all your eggs in that basket. Yeah, seriously. Oh, Field, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. Let's do it again sometime, please. And you can follow Field on Twitter at Field Yates. A few injuries um, to update that came out while we were talking. It sounds like Jonathan Taylor is done for the year with that high ankle sprain from Saturday. Cam Robinson, who is the Jaguars left tackle, is also out for the year with a torn meniscus. So that is something to consider, I guess, in that conversation that we've been having about the Jaguars, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. As for the Titans, Vrabel says that it will be Tannehill at quarterback if he is healthy enough to play. So I think that that was probably a predictable response on the Monday after, especially since he went back into the game with the injury that we're talking about. But we're going to have to monitor that throughout the week, it looks like. And we'll be back with another episode on Wednesday to do that, as well as to track the other developing stories as we move toward this weekend's slate, which is an exact flip of what we saw this past weekend. This week, because of Christmas, the bulk of the games are going to be on Saturday, Christmas Eve. There will be eight in the early window and two in the afternoon. So that's when Red Zone will be on for that eight and two slate. We'll have our Fantasy Zone channel also on the air on DirecTV, part of the Sunday ticket package. And then there is a primetime game on Saturday night. That's Raiders-Steelers. So you can watch that as you wait for Santa or maybe, in my case, wrap all of the last-minute presents. And then on Sunday, there will be three nationally televised, one in every window. Fantasy notes on those games coming up on Friday. For now, though, we've got a game tonight. It's the last game of Week 15, Rams-Packers. I hope you get what you need out of that one for fantasy, and I will see you again here on Wednesday. For our producer, Andrew Emmer, the NFL Roadshow is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. SiriusXM Podcasts.